What is going on, everybody? How are we doing? Welcome on back to the Breaking the Goal Line podcast. I am your host, as always, Russell Goddard. And uh, we got some things to talk about. Super Bowl two weeks away. Got that little two-week window, but it is here. We know who it's going to be. Cincinnati is uh, in the Super Bowl. Sometimes, you know, it's still hard to believe, but that's awesome. Joe Burrow's great. And uh, they're going home team Los Angeles Rams. So, that's we, we got some time in between, and we're going to have some plenty of stuff to talk about in between, to talk about lead up the game. We're going to talk about coaching hires, and, you know, we got, we got plenty of those. Uh, some Brian Flores news. Tom Brady has made it official after 22 years. Uh, he is officially retiring. I know it came out, and there was some lingering, like, oh, it's not. His dad came out. I was like, oh, he's not retired. Retired on my own terms, but it's official. He made it official. Uh, so this podcast probably centered along about Tom Brady's retirement. But uh, before we get into all that, go ahead and subscribe, rate and review, please. Uh, it helps. I appreciate anybody that has and anybody that is going to. Uh, that is uh, much, much appreciated. All right, guys, let's go. So I want to start off today's podcast with a little story. Bear with me here. Back in 1999, when I was just a mere six-year-old pup, born in 93, so not too long ago, I, I remember my first actual football game. I talked about this after John Madden passed, because John Madden was the one calling the game. And I remember that. I remember watching my first ever full-length game. And I also remember my first ever Super Bowl, which was two years later. In 2001, and I was seven years old, February 2001, seven years old, going to be going to be eight at the end of the month, still young. And I watched this Super Bowl and I don't remember too much of the game, but I remember it was the Patriots in the Rams. And I remember it was an epic game. I don't remember too much of it. I remember where I was. It was a big party. I remember I wasn't watching the full game, but I remember those two teams. Fast forward two years later. Nine years old. I am in what is the young age my mind is developing while I'm watching this game. I'm, I'm becoming a huge fan, exciting. I, I'm more knowledgeable. I know what's going on. And that's the first ever Super Bowl that I really, really, really remember. I can tell you almost every play that happened in that game. And that was the New England Patriots against the Carolina Panthers, 2003. And New England won. And the quarterback of that game was Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. And it was a hell, hell of a Super Bowl. I was rooting for the Patriots. You know, I had no reason to root for them. Wasn't a fan of any team. Was a Cardinals fan. Was nine years old. You know, I, I didn't know much about too many of the players. But trust me, I, I knew who some of the, I knew Steve Smith, Jake DeLome was. You know, I know who these guys, they had Julius Peppers on the other side for Carolina. That was a hell of a game. And it was the first Super Bowl that really stayed. When I think about Super Bowl, it's one of the first ones I think about because it was my first one that I can fully remember. And Tom Brady was in that one. And I didn't know it then at nine years old that Tom Brady would go ahead and be in, I don't know, nine more Super Bowls that I would go and watch and every one of them better than the next. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady's retired after 22 season. And it's official now. He's officially retired. And seven Super Bowls, he's been to what? He was seven of ten, right? Seven of ten. Uh, I, I, I don't know, 13, 14 title games, 14 total title games. 
I, I can't even tell you how many 13-plus win seasons. I mean, you can put up the stats, the records. He's got them all. It's been an absolutely unbelievable career. You cannot tell the story of football without telling the story of Tom Brady, who I consider the greatest quarterback of all time and one of, if not the most famous, I mean, American sport, like American athlete of all time. Like he's up there. One of the best, if not the greatest sports athlete of all time, team, team sport athlete of all time. You can't tell the story of football without Tom Brady. I can't tell the story of how I and why I love this game so much. The, the ability for me to be sitting here and talking to you is because I'm addicted to this game. And Tom Brady is one of the reasons why. It's not the only reason. But me being able to, at that young of age, have that sketch in my brain. And Tom, at that young of age, to do what he did in those two Super Bowls for me watching at 6 and 9... And then to go on and watch him do whatever what he did in my in my true developing stage of of this game, you know, through through middle school and high school and college, and as I really started seeing the game in my mid twenties, and now in my late twenties and almost almost thirties, you know, I see another game, and it's because of Tom Brady. I can't tell the story without Tom, and the NFL cannot be told without Tom Brady. You know, we can talk all day. About, about everything that he's done. All the wins and the titles and this and that. But the best thing about Tom Brady was he is a competitor till the day that he dies. He is going to compete. And he is such a good teammate. He was the best teammate. I mean, the greatest, I mean, the greatest teammate ever. That's, what, that, that's his nickname. He's got that for a reason. And I'm watching Man in the Arena. And I just started watching it. And it's fucking fantastic. And it takes me back to the, some of those early Patriots teams where Tom was just came in for Drew Bledsoe. I mean, Drew just got absolutely lit up second week of the year in 2001, that season. And Tom comes in, manages the season. Bill decides that season when, Tom, when, when, when Drew gets healthy after he had his internal bleeding, he gets all fucked up. It was like they were five and I think they were six and four, right? Six and four. He decides to go with Tom. And not with Drew. They just they just played Bledsoe $100 million the year before that. And he went with Tom. Bill knew there was something special about this cat. And John knew, John Madden, at that from when their first Super Bowl, he called it. He, he said there's something special about this guy because of the drive before, and I talked about this when Madden passed, the drive, when, the, when they started the drive, Madden said, I would not do this. I would kneel and go to overtime. And at the end of the drive, John Madden completely did a 360 on what he said and said, this is something special. Unbelievable. And Tom Brady, after 22 years, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I am truly going to be sad to not watch him play football anymore, to just not watch him compete. I, I, Tom Brady, I've been entertained with Tom, Tom Brady his entire career since I've been watching football. Since that Super Bowl, since he got drafted, 2000, 2001 was that Super Bowl. I hated, hated Tom Brady and the Patriots in my youth. Even though I rooted for them in 2003, I was rooting against them the next year in 2004 against the Eagles. Hard. And then from there on out, I did not want the Patriots to win anything. And those two uh, Super Bowls against the Giants was rooting against Tom Brady. 
I at one point was one of those losers that just sits on there and says, I don't like him because he's a cheater. Oh, well, why did he cheat? How did he cheat? Well, I don't know. He cheated. That's the type of bullshit that I would tell you. I didn't know yet. I wasn't there yet. I, I wasn't watching what he was doing on the field. I, I wasn't. And then I started to. And what really flipped it for me was the Super Bowl against Atlanta in 2016. It completely flipped it. And not only did it flip me on Tom Brady, it, it, it completely changed football for me. That moment, not, not of the Super Bowl, the moments, and it wasn't just Tom. It was Bill, too, and it was their teammates, and I understand that. But that, that moment, that when they won the Super Bowl, my mind was changed. How football was completely changed for me. And honestly, that wasn't too long ago when you think about it. 2016. I've come a long way since then. I've looked at foot. I I can see the game differently now. And Tom Brady is one of the big reasons because of that. Now you can now I can go down the pass of your Ray Lewis's that do that for me and your Peyton Mannings and multiple other players and you know even other sports. But to witness what Tom Brady has done for 22 seasons, the longevity, the longevity of it, how he was went from this guy that couldn't run, couldn't really move. Had, had a really big arm, was accurate, but uh, I don't know. Wasn't really taking care of his body. Won three Super Bowls. Completely transitioned into three separate, I don't know, dynasties, right? In, in the 20 years he's with New England, three versions. Version one, version two, version three. And he didn't even win any Super Bowls with version two. And honestly, was probably, I mean, the most talented he had around him. Right with Moss and Welker, and then when they drafted Hernandez and Gronk, they went to two Super Bowls. They lost them both to the Giants, and and they went to another AFC Championship game, lost that one to uh, to to uh, to the Broncos in Denver when when Peyton was there. It's just it, it it's unbelievable how he was able to take one team for twenty years, make three different variations of a team that had three different complete styles, and it all was led by two guys, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and on the field it was led by one guy. And that's Tom Brady. That's number 12. And honestly, I'm, it's an end of an era for me. And I, I texted this to some of my buddies. It's an end of our childhood era. Because when we were young, it was Brady, it was Manning, it was Ben, it was Eli, it was Phillip, it was Drew. You know, it was, it was all these guys that are no longer in the league anymore. And they're making a transition. They've been in the league since the late 90s, early 2000s, right? When we were really coming up. And now they're gone. And now it's your Mahomes and your Allens and your Lamars and your Kylers. And I guess Aaron's still there, but I don't know. Maybe he's going to retire. You know, Aaron, does, Aaron doesn't fit that mold. Aaron is not, Aaron now is in a class by himself. He is not the Brady's, the Mannings, you know, the, the Ben's. He's not those guys, even though I guess he was drafted in 2005 and, and Ben and, and all of them were drafted and Eli and Philip was drafted in 2004. So I guess there's not too much. There's only one year gap. But we don't talk about Aaron Rodgers in that mold. He's not like those guys. He's in a class by himself, and it's because it took like four years for him to start. Ben was starting winning Super Bowls right off the bat. Eli won the Super Bowls right off the bat. Rivers was going to AFC Championships right off the bat. And Rodgers was just sitting behind Favre. And like, that's not like a discredit on Rodgers. Like, he was sitting behind fucking Brett Favre. Like, what the fuck you want to do? Like, oh, no, sit over. No, so we don't lope him into into that group. So he's not in that group for me. And he's also not in the... Mahomes and Allens and Lamar group. Aaron Rodgers is now completely in a league on his own. Just completely. He's he's in a, he's in an era on his own. It's just the Aaron Rodgers era. 
There's nobody else around. But that childhood era, it's it's dead for me. Tom Brady's now long, no longer there. And uh, it's, it's, it's coming up. This new era is coming, and, and these kids are going to be talking about Mahomes and all of them like I'm talking about Tom Brady right here, right now. Now, is Mahomes going to get seven rings? I doubt it. Allen, nobody. I, I would be hard-pressed to think that anyone's ever going to win seven Super Bowl rings. Uh, what this man has been able to accomplish with two different teams in 22 years, it's just truly, truly remarkable. And I'm, I'm going to miss the shit out of him. I'm going to miss the shit out of him. And it's crazy, man. If you would have told me in 2007, 2010, you know, well, Tom Brady retires, I would have been like, all right, all right, it's about time. Get him out of the league. Now it's 2022. You tell me he's retired, and I'm, I don't, I don't believe it. Half of me does not think it's still real. And I don't think I'm gonna, I, I don't think I'm still gonna believe it, like a lot of people, until the season starts. Until the Buccaneers take the field and TB12 is no longer there. Then I think it'll be like, okay, there's no more Tom Brady anymore. This era of football is no more. And this new era of football is gonna take place. And we we're gonna we shit, we're gonna see it on in two weeks, right? For the Super Bowl. The Rams in 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 the I mean McVay. I know I know I know Stafford's kind of all you know, I was gonna say two younger quarterbacks, but not Joe Burrow. You know, he's up there, he's that new era, the new generation with a young coach. Sean McVay, I mean, he's young, the youngest head coach in the league, 36 years old. Stafford, he's still got some time to go. It's new. You know, I know the Rams have been there. You know, the Rams have been there like two years ago. I get that. They got stopped by who? Tom Brady. That's right. Won a Super Bowl. That was his sixth. But they haven't won it. Stafford's new. McVay wants one. You know, Joe Burrow's there. So I think we're seeing the rise of the new era right here, right now. And it just makes sense for Tom to go. It just does. And sometimes in life, you just, you, you just, you just don't want to do it anymore. And I'm sure Tom looks at it. And it's not just the, it's not just the on-season grind. It's the off-season grind. It's doing what he does every single day, day in and day out. Giving up the, the dad time. Giving up the concerts or or the game or, or doing whatever it is, family movie night. He's got to give that up because he's got to dedicate himself at 40 fucking four years old even more now than he has ever before. Because Father Time's undefeated and eventually he's going to catch up to him. Now Tom can clearly still play. He can clearly still play. But it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go off and do other things. It's time to go be with your family more. It's that right time. They're coming into the great age. In that high school, you could be there. I, I, I think this is awesome. As much as I hate it, that Tom Brady's no longer going to be there, I, I, I really do. Because part of me just loves that Tom is the ultimate villain for these people. And they could just keep attacking him. And it just makes me laugh. It just makes me sit back and go, just keep doing your shit, Tom. But no more. No more for TB12. He's hanging it up. He's calling it a career. And what a career it was. Just what an absolutely remarkable career, Tom Brady. Thank you for everything. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I can't, like, I don't know what he's going to do next. He's going to go in the booth? I don't think so. I don't think Tom's a booth kind of guy. You know, I can maybe see him do something. I, I, I see Tom doing something with like Peyton and Eli do. I think Tom would be great at that. Tom would be fucking fantastic at what Peyton and Eli do. Maybe they can do like a Peyton and Eli, you know, and, and Tom or something. I don't know. I don't know. That's too much. You can't have three people, but who knows what Tom's going to do. But whatever he's going to do, I mean, he's got, his, he's got his production company. He's got his TB12 brand. He's got shit he's doing already. 
And I know he wants to do more, and maybe he's not done with football. Who knows? Maybe he comes back in another side away. He's I mean, he's I, he's talked about owning a team before. I don't know if that happens. So fucking expensive to own a team now. And I know Tom and Giselle make a lot of money, but I don't know if it's worth buying a freaking NFL franchise at this point, Tom. Go off in the sunset. Go off. You, you could still play well. You're done. I appreciate it, buddy. I'm glad you're hanging it up. I'm sad to see you go, though. It's It's been a pleasure watching you. And uh, maybe uh, maybe this next era can be just as good as what you, the Mannings, Big Ben, gave me as a childhood growing up. Let's talk about the Raiders, who are hiring the former Patriot offensive coordinator, Tom Brady's former offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, is heading to Las Vegas. He's going to go and let's not be, let's, don't, don't fool yourself, folks. He's going to step in immediately to the John Gruden role. He's 100% the John Gruden role. Mark Davis, I got to be honest, is probably the most laid-back owner you can work for in the league. We saw it with Jack Del Rio. He just lets him do whatever he wants. He's in charge. You pick the player. You do this. Here's the money. You know, we saw it with Gruden. Now we're going to see it with McDaniels. There's, there's, I mean, why would I think otherwise with Mark Davis? And uh, their GM, uh, David Ziegler, he's a Patriot guy as well. Uh, McDaniels hired him. That's what happens. So McDaniels is, is is in charge of all of it. And it's another Belichick guy. We saw this with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was the GM and the coach. Eventually it blew up. And, and, I, and I know Bill does it, but Bill isn't doing his whole career. He, Bill wasn't doing it when he started in, the, in New England. He had GMs. Bill didn't start doing it until, until the Patriots 2.0, right? And then when they started drafting Gronk and Aaron, that's when Bill really started just being the GM. You know, that's really when it started. You don't just kick off and do it. Uh, and look, I don't know, you know, exactly how much juice David Ziegler is going to have, but I can't imagine that it's going to be more than McDaniels. The, the head coach is going to run this program. When you are the head coach of the Raiders, you are the head coach of everything. You run the entire organization. You, you, like, you're the owner, you're the GM, because the owner's just going to sign checks. He's going to, what do you need? Whatever you need. Tell me what you need. Let's go win football games. And, uh, like, I like that the owner, and, and I mean, sorry, I like that the GM and the coach are coming at the same time and and, and that they know each other. But if it's all going to be just McDaniels, I just don't see how the Raiders going to, they, they need to work on the same page. They need to have, these guys both need to be on the same page. Because you know what they need to start doing? Hitting on draft picks. You know what Bill hasn't been doing? Hitting on draft picks. You know, so Josh, you coming in there and you miss on some draft picks because you know what else the Raiders haven't been doing? Hitting on draft picks. David Arnett's a fucking loser who can't keep from shooting off guns every other weekend. You can't, your other first round draft pick, unfortunately, is going to prison for a couple decades for killing a woman. Like, you're not hitting on your draft picks. Cleveland Farrell is one of the biggest busts ever. You're not hitting on them. And so, and you're you're trying to get these veteran players. You're trying to pay these guys like Derek Carr, but your your young talent isn't there. So unless the Raiders, unless McDaniel's and Ziegler come in there and work together, or Ziegler would have worked together, I don't think anything's going to change. Now, if I'm Derek Carr, I'm happy that I get Josh McDaniel's as my OC. But another thing that I want to see from McDaniel's is he going to call the offense plays? I I need him to call the offense plays. I look at Josh McDaniel's. Now I know he had extent when he had that little run in Denver, year and a half, and then he was fired. He had the cheating scandal. It didn't go very well, but you know he was. They were what five and zero, six and zero 
And, you know, when all that happened that second year, they're they're on the, te- the team looked like a team on the rise. Now they drafted Tim Tebow, and that was a fucking complete waste. I, I look, he was like thirty three years old. I don't I don't put a lot of weight on McDaniel's in Denver and the whole Indianapolis thing. Where look, do I think it was a little shady that he hired some guys and then last minute pieced out? Sure, yeah. But you know what? Look, we don't know his motives, and it's easy to criticize him on that. But honestly, I think it probably was the right move. Overall, it was. And here he goes. He's going to Las Vegas. Gets Derek Carr. Gets Josh Jacobs. Gets Darren Waller. Gets some nice guys. And you come in there. You just got to hit on some draft picks. You got to get the culture right. And you, I want to see you call plays. That's what I want to see. Because I'm looking at you as kind of a first-year head coach. I'm just kind of saying Denver was a wash. Let's go in here. Are you going to call the plays? Because my problem with Robert Sala is that I saw him for three years absolutely wreck the NFC West as a great defensive play caller. And he hasn't called, he doesn't call the fucking plays for the Jets and their defense is atrocious. I, I don't understand that. How how can you be the head coach with your specific skill set and that side of the ball fucking sucks? Do something about it. Why aren't you calling the plays? I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I just, I want my young head coach to call Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, call the plays. Andy Reid, when he first got, was calling the plays. Fuck, Bruce Arians didn't get his shot till he was 60 years old. Guess what he did? Called the plays. Mike Zimmer on defense, 60 years old, didn't get his shot till then. Guess what he would, he still did? Called his plays when he was first getting there. You call the plays at least your first couple of years. You gotta get your fucking culture in here. How you want the run. You want it to run how you want it to run. So make it run that way and then get somebody to, continue off of it and maybe make their variations off of that. I, I just, I, if McDaniels calls the plays, I, I think that's a really, really good thing for the Raiders and it's what he should do. If he doesn't and they just start up here and he's, and they just run it like John Gruden does, then you're just going to be the fucking Raiders. It doesn't matter that he's a Belichick guy. How many Belichick guys have worked out? Oh, wait, you tell me the best one is Bill O'Brien and he's done nothing but just win his division a couple times in a few playoff games. And then he got fired. Other than that, who are you going to go? Eric Mangini, who who had who who are the who is the only head coach, the only only coach that the only head coaching job from a Belichick tree that has got a stop that has gotten multiple stops. He's the only one. Everybody else has been fired at their other spot and has not got another job. Mangini was the Browns and the Jets. He's the only other one. Now Bill O'Brien will eventually, I think, get another head coaching job, uh, but so he'll be another one. But I mean, not a lot of Belichick guys just work out. Right, just because Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels is a great coordinator and he's under Bill Belichick, does that mean he's going to be a great head coach? No, but I I, I like McDaniel's. I I like I, I I think he's an awesome OC. So we'll see what they can bring, but they 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 got to fix that defense. And I mean, we all know that Josh is the guy there. So if they can kind of work together, hit on some draft picks, maybe the Raiders can you know with Derek Carr. That I mean, that offense is going to be functioning. So we'll see what. You know, they kind of go with there. Uh, the G-Men hire Brian Dable, which is good. Uh, Joe Shane gets his guy. Joe Shane's a Bills guy. Gets his Buffalo guy in, in Brian Dable. And I, I think this is great for the Giants. Now, they're going to stick with Daniel Jones. I think that's kind of a Mara thing that they want to. I, I, personally, I think you just I, I think they should get Daniel Jones out there right here, right now. Get, get, get rid of him. But... You know, that was my first initial action. But then I look about it, it's like, what are you going to go do? Are you going to go reach for a quarterback or overpay for somebody? Why not just wait it out with Daniel Jones? You're not paying him much. You already picked up that fifth-year option. And next year's draft class, 
not this coming up in here, but the year after that, that that is such a better draft class. You're gonna have Young. You're gonna have Stroud. You're gonna have Williams. Like you're gonna have you're gonna have much better quarterback talent in the 2023 draft instead of the 2022 draft. So that's fun. You know, if you want to get in there, get your culture built, get some players in there that you like, high character guys. That's the thing. Daniel Jones is a high character guy. Brian's gonna like him. You know what? Dable's probably gonna make him better. But that I I don't I cannot imagine they stick with Daniel Jones. But I like this hire a lot. Now let's from the Buffalo side of things, that's a big blow. You know they lose the guy that pretty much made Josh Allen Josh Allen. So they got to find somebody, you know, kind of you know that Josh likes that they fits with with McDermott. I'm sure you know him and Big Baller Bean will find someone good that they like for their OC. But, you know, it's always troublesome. You know, when you bring a new offensive coordinator in to a young quarterback that's been doing one thing one way, now you kind of switch it up on them. And so that's the thing about Mahomes. Mahomes has got Andy Reid. So, uh, like, if Andy Reid, the only way Mahomes gets something new is if Andy Reid stops coaching anymore. And that's not going to happen for a while. So, McAllen's, you know, he lives and dies by his offense coordinator because McDermott's a defensive guy. So you need a high-quality OC in there. You really do. Allen's going to thrive better with that. But... You know, at the same time, you look at it, and it's like, is Josh Allen just so fucking good? It doesn't really matter who his OC is. There there could be a chance that that we're on that level right now. But, I mean, you want to hire a high-quality guy. You want to hire a guy, high-quality guy that does what Josh does well, what Brian was really, really bringing out of Josh. That's a good hire here by the Giants. Yeah, I like it, but, you know, at the end of the day, are they just going to be the same old Giants? Uh, maybe these two guys can try to switch things around. But the Maras, I swear... They are, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Uh, something that I saw a couple days ago that just really irked me, just really, really bothered me, um, was Ryan Poles. And Ryan Poles is the new GM of the Chicago Bears. And I like Ryan. I really do. I, I, I did my I deep dive research into him. I talked about him a podcast or two podcasts ago. Um, I like Ryan. He comes, you know, he's got a, he's got, he's got, he's got the Kansas City background. He's a young guy. He's playing the league a little bit. He's a football guy. He's everything that they hire. And I think his hiring has been pretty spot on. I think they've been okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, you, you draft, you get Eberflus, and they just got uh, the coordinator from the Packers as their OC. Okay, I'm fine with some of these hires. Young guy taking a risk. I like his energy. But what he said earlier this week, I just thought. What the hell are you doing, man? What the hell are you doing? And he's a young guy, and, 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 and I'm always a true believer on be who you are. Don't be fake. Just be who you are. Belichick's who he is. You know, it, you know, it might seem like it, but that's kind of who Belichick is. That's who Andy Reid is, right? That's who Sean McVay is. But Ryan Poles opens his mouth in the middle of the week when, when, when Super Bowl hasn't even been over yet. We're not even in the offseason, and you say that, you're going to run the North, take it, and then never give it up. But you got hired last week. You've made, like, two hires. You haven't even met most of your players. And you're over here saying that you're going to run the North, which I don't know the Green Bay Packers are in. I just, why are you saying that? Why open your mouth? The NFL is so hard. It is so hard to win in this league unbelievably hard why make it harder why make it harder because if you do not live up to these expectations now that you set it's just going to be harder and you're going to look bad 
What are you just going to, let's, let's, we're going to win the North and never give it up. We're going to run the North. We're running the North. What do you mean you're running the North? You have a second year quarterback that just came off of a disastrous season, not for him personally, but just this, the turmoil of Andy Dalton and the Nick Foles and is Nagy going to get fired and this and that, and you're not very good. And it was just chaotic. It's just so much chaos right now. Why do you have to create more? I'm not saying don't be Bel- be Bill Belichick and just go, All right, you know, yeah, something, you know, blah. you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. But you don't, you don't fucking get up there and, and make it so much harder on yourself by saying we're gonna run the North and we're not gonna give it up. That's, dude, pump the brakes, man. You just, just got this job, just got it. Can you just cool down for a second? How about take a tour of the facility first? Meet your players before making absolutely ridiculous comments. Now, look, I know he's a young guy, he gets all riled up, and, and maybe he was trying to appease to the fans. But if that's the guy that Ryan Poles is, then that's not the kind of guy that I've heard about him. Appeasing to the fans, that's going to get you absolutely nowhere. If you want to appease to the fan base, uh, who, who gives a fuck? What, were you going to ask him who you should draft? Oh, do you guys think you're going to put it on Twitter poll? Hey, Twitter poll, who should we draft? Dude, look at Ryan, listen, I'm going to give you a pass on this one after I just rip you here a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of a pass, but it's always going to be in the back of my mind here. And if more red flags come up, I'm coming back to something like this because you don't do something like this so early in the job with not even playing a single fucking game, not even, not even off season. The season isn't even over yet. You just got hired, man. Let's calm down. And I liked you, Ryan. Stone Cold Ryan Pools. I was like, like, take it easy, Ryan. Just calm down, okay? You're the general manager of the Chicago Bears. I'm sure it's a dream job. A huge franchise, big market, great city, huge fan base. I understand, buddy. Calm down because that's just outrageous. Outrageous and, and you just make it. It's just so hard to win and to put this pressure on you, to put this pressure now that you have to win the North is just, it's it's just ridiculous. It's now, I think, I think you have a chance to compete next, next year. I do. I think you have a chance to go 800 if your coach is good and if Fields is good, but man, can, can, can we just wait and see a little bit before you just start putting out just absolutely ridiculous statements and comments, pull the brakes, pump it down. And the last thing I want to talk about today is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh my, okay. As I speak right now, I swear I did not plan this. Doug Peterson is the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So this completely ruins what I was just about to talk about. Because I was just about to talk about how Trevor Lawrence should demand a trade. Uh, But this absolutely changes. I'm doing a quick little Google here, folks. Yep, there we go. Yes, it is. So that was my CBS. They are hiring Doug Peterson as their new head coach. Wow. So breaking news on a podcast that's not live or anything. How do you like them apples? So no, Trevor Lawrence should probably not ask for a trade. At least not this year. But Doug is a good coach. I like Doug. You know, he's obviously Super Bowl winning head coach. He took a year off. I think he's going to come in there refreshed, revitalized. But this is a horrible fucking job. Being the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars is terrible. Your ownership 
is awful. The cons have no idea how to run a business, run the an NFL business. They might be good at other stuff. They might be great at running their little uh, off uh, off brand WWE little thing that they do. I hear that's doing really really well. You know what's not doing well? His fucking billion dollar franchise. That's not doing good. And you drafted this guy number one. That's supposed to be the greatest thing since Andrew Luck and John Elway. And you couldn't get a coach until obviously 30 seconds ago to come and play after you had to fire one that you took from college, not even halfway through the season. No one wants to come and be there. And I guess Doug does. So maybe you paid Doug enough money to come and stand your ass, but there's no way that I could take that job. I don't care how much I was in love with Trevor Lawrence and think that he could be the next uh, Joe Montana, you know, fucking Tom Brady. I don't know. I'm not taking that job. Because my, I know my ownership is shit. And I'm really never going to get anywhere. And more than likely, I'm going to be fired in a year and a half, two years. But Doug Peterson, he's got a big name. He's a big pole. He's a Super Bowl winner. And Trevor Lawrence, he's an offensive guy. And he's been around some big-name quarterbacks. You know, your Peyton Mannings, your Andrew Lux. Yeah, he's been around the block a couple times here. He knows what he's doing. He's an offensive guy. And he's, he's a no-nonsense guy. It's the only hire that really makes any sense because Jacksonville's got to do something. They need to bring in a big guy like this. I saw they were looking at like Kevin O'Connell who got the job. I, I can't, is it, is it, did he get, is he the Minnesota guy? I, I can't remember. That, that was just fucking ridiculous to me. Like it's just ridiculous to me. I just, come on. What are we, what are we doing? No, you went out and get Doug Peterson. Good, good. But I don't even know if that's enough because Jacksonville just sucks. But uh, this, oh boy, oh, I hope my phone's okay, I have to check it. But that completely put a little damper on my Trevor Lawrence should demand a trade. Because uh, that's where I was going, that was the direction I was going. I, I no longer believe that, uh, because I believe he should wait a year. But after next year, depending on what happens, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I, I, I want to get the fuck out of there. Now, I don't think he will, because he's he's from the South, he's a very religious guy. I honestly was thinking about maybe he should pull the Eli Manning and just say, look, I don't want to play for you. But part of the reason why Eli did that is because he had a father that played in the league with one of the worst, if not the worst team in the league during his stretch of playing in, in the Saints when Archie was with the Saints. I mean, the Aints bags over their heads. He knows what it's like to play for a bad franchise. He did not want his son to do that. He wanted his son to go play for a winner. And it kind of, I mean, it kind of worked out because Phillip has no Super Bowls and Eli had two. Now you can make an argument. Eli maybe wins the Super Bowl no matter where he is. Because if you put Eli Manning on that team instead of Phillip Rivers with LT and Junior Seau and them boys, I don't know. They might have beat Peyton in that AFC championship game when Peyton beat them. I don't know. I don't know. That would have been some having them boys fight each, go against each other in, in playoffs. That'd have been fun. But you know, I, I, look, I think I thought Trevor Lawrence maybe should have said it because the Jags are just so miserable. Maybe this year, but now you just let it ride out with Doug Peterson. You see what he brings in. Because look, if you're, I'm sure Trevor's chomping at the bit to be good and just to be better, be better at his craft, to be to win football games. Right, I, I'm sure he is. He's a competitive dude. He's a good character guy. I, 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 you see that out of the kid. So what's Doug gonna come in? He's gotta, gotta, he's gotta come in and bring that. It's a lot of work to do. But I mean, if anybody on the market right now is gonna do it, it's gonna be Doug Peterson. So you hear it first, right here, right now. You're not gonna hear it first because none of you gonna hear this until tomorrow morning.
So when you wake up and you know that Doug Peterson is the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then you hear this, know that you heard it actually here first because I got it first before you did. Breaking live news. Let's go. Alrighty, folks, let's go ahead and go and do it for me today. It's a nice little quick short pod. We got plenty to talk about leading up to the Super Bowl. Next week, we're really going to dive into the game. We're going to have more coaching hires for offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. I think all the head coaching spots are filled up now that Doug Peterson is on the Jacksonville. I have to double check. Oh, no, the Saints are still open. That's a big one lingering over. Uh, I'll probably get into Brian Flores stuff next week. Didn't really want to, you know, bog down this podcast with it. it probably, I might have I rambled. I don't know. So, But I'll talk to everybody at the Sorry, I'll talk to everybody next week. Enjoy your football this weekend. That's okay. Just one more Sunday, and we got the most bitter, sweet day of the year, the Super Bowl, folks. Take it easy. Peace.